episode 440. How would you react given five years to live? With Leanne Cabot. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of the number one men's development podcast that is now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes to thrive. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com. Jump across there and it'll have all the information, case studies, why you might want to do it, all the information around it. And also, if you jump on the green button on there, you can book in a complimentary idea clarity call to speak with me. What is your idea worth sharing? It's time to play a bigger game. It's time to amplify your message and make it happen. Get to the podcast. This episode, we're going to be talking about the five seasons of life, overcoming adversity. I've got someone I've been really looking forward to speaking to for a long time. We've got Leanne Cabot on the line, and she is a writer, coach. I came across Leanne probably about six or eight months ago. I heard her story. I was just hooked. I wanted to collaborate with her some way, shape, and form. We've been working on her TEDx talk, and over 2020 has been a, a crazy year for everyone involved. She's overcome a lot. I'm excited to dive into this one. Leanne, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? Mm, I cannot wait. <laughs> I went a little bit off the rails there, but we've had, you know, we've had a interesting, we speak to each other quite a bit, it seems these days. Um, yeah. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? I know I've missed some stuff. What are you all about at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think 2020 has showed us a lot of things, right? There are a lot of people hurting and there are a lot of people feeling like they aren't smart enough to figure things out or they aren't connected enough to find the answers or they don't know things. And so I just really love how the world has opened up and allowed people from across borders and across countries and across time zones to connect with people and figure out their next best steps. Because what your best step was six months ago and eight months ago and last year is not at all your next step now, right? So just, I love that we have this opportunity. I mean, you and I are on opposite sides of the country. Um, but hopefully this brings value to people all over the world, right? That wherever they are, there's a way out of where they are, right? Like you don't have to stay where you are. And I think that has kind of been the pulse that's going through my life, you know, in the last decade or so, but certainly, you know, anyone who's overcome adversity. Yes. You're in Seattle. Are you originally from there? Tell us a little bit people about your origins. Yeah, I'm Canadian. I'm from Toronto. So actually more closer to you that, you know, before yeah. than now. But um, we ended up in in Seattle because my husband was transferred here for his job, you know, about 15 years ago. And so we packed up our family. I had two small children at the time and we moved out west to just start a new life and, you know, give it a couple of years. And 15 years later, we're still here. So it's always that way, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> But, you know, we've built a life here and we've built a family and we have friends and we have infrastructure and, you know, it really just feels like home. So as much as I love, you know, Toronto and I'm Canadian through and through, this is now home. How I first come aware of you, urgency. There's a reason I, I think everyone should have urgency. But, yeah. you know, you tell us about obviously a, a time where you had to awaken your alpha and overcome some adversity and, and why might you have more urgency 
than your average person you know yeah <laughs> that's such a good way of putting it i haven't thought about it that way so um as i said we moved down to seattle and my husband had just gotten this new you know this new job he was asked to go to california for some training and so i was alone with the two little ones and it was fine like i was you know i was five months pregnant we were healthy we were strong we were happy we were finding our way in our new neighborhood and one evening I was just really tired and I went to bed with the kids at like 7.30 and in the middle of the night I woke up to go to the bathroom being pregnant that's kind of a given yeah. and um, I stood up on the floor and I just collapsed and I blacked out. I came to pretty quickly but I realized when I came to that I couldn't move. So I lay frozen on the floor for about five hours and I could see the clock across the room and I couldn't move, I couldn't scream, I couldn't get up, I couldn't call for help. I didn't know who to call for help, even if I could, because I was with the two kids alone. And it was terrifying. I thought I was going to die on that floor and I, I did everything I could to get up. You know, I cried, I begged, I pleaded the universe, I negotiated, you know, I for, you know, asked for forgiveness for all of my sins, you know, whatever I could do to get up off the floor. And eventually around 7 a.m. I was able to move. The heat just, you know, flooded through me. Everything started to spin, but I could get up. And I cleaned myself up. I got dressed. I woke up the kids. I packed some snacks and I went to the van and I typed in hospital and I drove us to the hospital. And at the time it didn't occur to me to call 911 and I didn't have any friends in the neighborhood. I just needed to go. Yeah. So we got to the hospital and it really set off this eight month you know, investigation into what might have happened and what continued to happen during that period. So the baby was born in July and he was healthy, thank goodness. Did you um, think I, it was something linked to the preg pregnancy initially? Yeah, I mean, they really thought it was the surge in hormones that could have triggered, you know, an aneurysm, or maybe it was a tumor that just, you know, became apparent, or maybe I had Meniere's disease, or maybe, I, you know, they really yeah. went through the catalog of diseases. And after the baby was born, they could really get invasive. They sat me down and I had all my scans up on the wall and all my test results all over the table. It was this big, long table and they spelled it out as best they could. And at the end of it, they said, look, we don't know what it is. It isn't one thing, but we're pretty sure it's going to kill you. Whoa. I mean, up to that point, were you just thinking, oh, this is just, they're just gonna, something minor or did you have any thoughts yeah. building up to that? Or was it no, I had no thoughts, but I, I knew it was serious because I couldn't shake it. It had been, you know, eight months. I couldn't yeah. get rid of all the things that were happening, but I certainly didn't think that I was 35. I just had a baby. I had two toddlers at home. Like yeah. it did not occur to me. So I don't even remember breathing through that experience. And I went there alone because I didn't think it would yeah. be a big deal, right? I didn't have my husband or a friend with me. I just showed up. And the first question I asked was when? That's what you I'm know? thinking. If it, yeah, you know, I'm like, tell me, the like obvious a thing is like, yeah. like tomorrow, <laughs> I, we're all going to die at some point. And like, we're talking years, like yeah. 50 years would, would, would be good. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> five years. Five. Yeah, oh. they gave me five years. And I don't know that I heard anything else after that, but I really started panicking. Like, you know, my birthday that year was on Thanksgiving Day. And I thought that was such a special treat, you know, like, you know, my Canadian birthday on the American Thanksgiving, we have so much to be thankful for. And all of a sudden, I just thought, wait a minute, after next Thursday, do I have four more Thanksgivings with my yeah. kids? Do I have four more birthdays? Like, am I going to be dead before I'm 40? Yeah. 
And they just said, put your affairs in order, love your kids and go home. Like take these prescriptions, you know, fill these medications, take them, do your best, try to stay calm. I couldn't get calm if, you know, <laughs> if somebody had a million dollars like, What in would a bag. you do with five years as well? If that, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm clearly I, that's obviously a question you would have been asking yourself. Absolutely. So, I, you know, I don't know why I spent the next couple of years dying, but I did, right? I didn't challenge them. I didn't tell them they were wrong. I didn't tell them they were lying. I didn't tell them they didn't know enough. I just really thought they must know right? They have all of these scans. We spent tens of thousands of dollars on testing. Of course they know. And then at some point, about two and a half, three years in, something just switched. And I thought, wait a minute here. I am here to raise my children. I am not letting somebody else raise my children. I am here to live my life. I'm not giving up on it, right? I have come this far with all of the, you know, the trauma and the tragedy and the sensational things that have happened in my life. It's not ending here. This isn't how it ends. And I really just buckled into this very deep commitment to self-care. I slept around the clock and I thought, you know what? I am going to baby my body back to a place of health and you know resilience. I was curious. Did, yeah. did you? I'm, I'm sure you told your your husband. But what about the younger kids? Did, yeah. Were they even aware that let's say mummy's not well in general, or like I mean, how do you? How specific or vague do you go on that? Or do you just not mention it? Yeah. No, I had to mention it. I mean, there were days I forgot how to cook. I forgot how to toast bread. I stopped driving because obviously I couldn't drive. I was not in a state to be driving. So we could only walk everywhere and we live in the middle of nothing, right? So to walk anywhere was a massive commitment yeah. for multiple hours to go to a Safeway and buy a loaf of bread. Like I stopped doing grocery shopping. I really you know, had this motto, mommy can do one thing a day. Mommy can do one thing a day. If it's play this game, that's what we're gonna do. And if other things can happen, that's a bonus, but I can't do you know, a jam-packed schedule of 50,000 things. So did, did they know you were with- the They knew I was sick. Yeah. Yeah, they knew I was sick. They didn't know I was dying at the time. I mean, my oldest was really about nine or 10 when- oh, Yeah, it's the same as, well- As your kids, voice. right? I mean, so yeah, you, what would you tell them, right? You'd say, daddy's really sick. Yeah, and I can't do all the ten, things. They're so like sharp and alert. Yeah, and yeah they're going yeah. to be on to So they know. So you can say, I'm really sick and the doctors are working with me. And they yeah. saw me giving myself injections. They saw the tablets and the medications around. Um, they saw the fogginess and, you know, just the sickness of what mm. I was representing, you know, in their mother. They recognized something was different. But um, I just threw out all the medications. I threw everything out. I decided this is not how it ends. And I got very clear on what I wanted. And so I set some goals of things that I wanted to do. And I put them really far in the distance, you know, just, just multiple years away, much past, you know, my kind of expiration date to keep me focused on the long game, right? Like I want to be focused on the long game. What are the things that I always wanted to do? And that's all I'm going to do. And so I really just got very clear and honest with myself that I wasn't going to live a life that somebody else, you know, prescribed for me. I wasn't going to compete with the people next door and do all the things that other mothers do. I'm going to do just what I can do. 
And it just became my guiding philosophy. You know, one thing a day, and what is that one thing that, you know, that brings me joy, that helps me be the best mom I could be? Because at the time, I was tired and irritated and cranky and pissed off and just so frustrated with the world. I wasn't the best mom, right? I wasn't the kind, patient, gentle Mary Poppins that, you know, every child, child dreams of having as a parent. So that became my first priority, you know, to be the very best mom I could be. Because if I were to die, what would they remember? You know, would they remember me being a screaming, crazy, angry, frustrated, you know, snappy person? Or would they remember that I cuddled on the floor with them and played games and curled their hair and told them stories? That's the mom I wanted to be. And so it just, it changed everything. And our family had to make some pretty big pivots because of my illness, but we also got to experience things we would have never done before. So it was really just, you know, it, it was a very harsh five-year deadline with this massive amount of potential to really decide to live. Mm. And after, you know, obviously you made that sort of two and a half, three years in, you made that decision and just changed things. Did you notice in your body and stuff, did it come to the, the five-year thing and you're thinking, uh-oh, like, what did the doctors, did, did things start changing from diagnosis or how things are going or talk to us about that, you know, getting close to that five-year mark. How many years are we from that initial diagnosis? Yeah, so um, <clears throat> we're 14 and a half years right now from that wow. initial, from the initial crash. Congrats, and that is awesome. I knew it. I, I, knew know, I just gave it. myself chills. Wow, that um, is awesome. You know, Adam, when you have something like this, I would love to say, you know, I got to that five-year mark and I burned my calendar and I set my, you know, all of my mm. fears on fire. No, I mean, I have new symptoms all the time. And, you know, I'm having this new thing happening right now, neurologically. And I think, oh no, did they just get it wrong? Did they mean 15 years, not five? Like, did I just push the deadline out yeah, a little bit? Yeah, it's not an exact it science, covered. is it, bodies? No, so, yeah. no yeah. it's a total, total crapshoot of what that date was. But it always lives with me that I have something that they don't know and they can't fix. And I mean, people will say, oh my gosh, but you know, we're all dying. Yes, we are. But when you think about it every single day, mm. like, is this the day? Is this the headache that's going to take me down? Is this, you know, the stroke that's going to end it all for me? You live very differently. I knew that I couldn't give my kids the world, but I wanted to show them the world. And so one of the first things I did when I was deciding what could my life be is I wanted to travel. And everyone says, when your kids are older, you can travel. I'm like, no, I'm packing up kids yeah. with diapers and bottles and, you know. Yeah, you you might not cups. have that luxury to, yeah. Exactly. Like and so we're like, we're going to go to 50 countries before I turn 50. And my husband was thinking, um, how are we going to afford that? <laughs> like, we're five people. How are you going to yeah. get us around the world? And it became my mission, you know, just yeah. to, to create an opportunity for us to show our kids, you know, the life that they have is never defined by the border, you know, the borders that they live in, the city that they're in, or the house that they're in. There's a whole world out there, and I want them to see as much of it as they can. In January, we returned from country 49, right? And it really is just this, it just speaks to, you know, the power of setting a goal first, but really just how passionate you are is how hard you will work and how much you will sacrifice to get where you want to go. 
So I researched countries that had, you know, quality health cover or, you know, health, you know, healthcare and doctors who could speak English. And I was intentional about where we went, but I wasn't going to stop the fact that I have a degenerative brain condition, you know, prevent me from giving my kids what I thought was the best education they would ever have. What were the doctors saying and thinking about this? Yeah, I mean, like, I why think, are you still here? Is that, yeah, in, in no, medical they, sense from their point of view. Yeah. <laughs> I have challenged them on that. Like, were you wrong? You know, did you? And the answer that I always get from my team is we weren't wrong, but the decisions that you made and the choices that you made impacted your body's ability to heal itself. So you still have the thing, whatever the thing is, but it is, you know, it is progressing at a very slow rate. And spontaneously, you could have an event, a neurological event, and you could die, right? Yeah. So that is still a reality for you. But what you have done in both self-care and, you know, kind of living with hope and passion and love has changed your body chemistry and your body, you know, chem you know kind of the makeup of your whole body to push you through some of these really hard times. So whatever yeah. you're doing, keep doing it. In addition to being an inspirational human being, Leanne is also a client of mine that I'm helping to secure her own TEDx talk. So I had to ask her what the experience has been like so far. Here is what she had to say. So when I first started working with you, I didn't really know what I wanted to talk about and where I wanted to go, but I knew I wanted to do something. I knew this was something that I was called to, you know, to kind of explore. I can't imagine a better person to guide me on that journey than you, because your kindness and compassion just goes above all of the skills that you bring. And you bring wicked skills. You have tons of information and you've got great, you know, great information in terms of how to do it and where to do it and, you know, why you're doing it and how to make it, you know, make it all happen. But on top of that layer is just this you know, this gentleness. And I just love the space that you have created to allow people to find their way and watching other people in the group, right? I think your strategy has been helping people find their own way. And I just don't know that you know that that's such a gift, right? Because we could all do your way. You have done this and you can say, you're going to do these eight steps and get exactly what I got, but that isn't what you're here for, right? You're really more like a lighthouse in the storm just constantly shining and showing us the way, you know, yes, we have the trainings. Yes, we get the hardcore, you know, here are the steps, here are some strategies. Here's how you connect to, you know, to TEDx speakers and TEDx organizers. And here's where you find events. And all of that is factual and totally relevant. But without this piece, I think I might not have been able to stay connected to it. And Adam really shows you not only how to get all of factual information together, but all of the layers of you know, confidence and flexibility and adaptability that it takes to get on the stage. So I have just been so profoundly grateful for, you know, just your patience. Virus did not help at all because everyone got hyper distracted, but you are still there, right? Like that steady light in the, you know, in the fog saying, it's okay, come back right? And the feedback that you give me is from that place of wisdom and experience and knowledge and expertise. And I just have so appreciated your professionalism and your kindness and your friendship through this whole journey. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad I asked. It's important to ask these things, you know, it's one thing what I think, but it's, it's more important from my perspective, what, you know, you're taking it. So 
yeah. I really appreciate the insight. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate like the boutique feeling yeah. of the small group, but I know these other people. We are able to build off of each other, feel mm. inspired, you know, kind of ask questions, learn from their experiences, and it just makes us a, a better yeah. candidate for being a speaker on Definitely. a TEDx stage. If you'd like to work with me on securing and delivering your own TEDx talk, please do reach out and you can also go over and visit talkaccelerator.com. That's talk, X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. The links are always on the show notes. Let's dive back into the second half of the interview. On top of that, you've published three books. Right. And I, I want to, because I, this, I, to my knowledge, there's nothing like, massively wrong with me to my knowledge is always a key thing yes. to say I don't want to tumble right. them. but I had a weird feeling around getting my first book out like when it got closer to the end I because it was a real legacy piece and I had this like, I was almost paranoid that something was going to happen to me before I got it out I even said to my wife like if anything happens to me like <laughs> like make sure this gets out like <laughs> I, I, and I felt a massive sense of relief just getting the book out and it's like hey this is out there but you know audio podcast that that's out there bit of legacy type stuff and I really think book a book and books come into that legacy piece how was that for you and and when was the decision to made to write a book and talk to us about the five seasons for life and that whole concept so I started documenting what I was doing right people know that I had a brain crash in my circle I was running one of the largest um, conferences for women and mothers in the Pacific Northwest. And I spoke about it often. So people in my network knew that I had this condition, but they wanted to know what I was doing because I was looking amazing. I was feeling amazing and I was producing all of this great stuff. And so I started to write my system mm. and it's called the five seasons. And basically I use the four seasons that are in the world for the Northern hemisphere. Um, winter is that time of dark, harsh, bitter, angry, you know, miserable conditions, right? Whatever is going on in your life that is that space, that's winter. What happens after winter is we spring clean. So what are the systems and the processes that you need to get out of your winter? Do you need to set boundaries? Do you need to have those clear conversations? Do you need to, you know, declutter your physical space? Do you need to declutter your mind and kind of you know, get some mindset shifts going on. What do you need to spring clean to get to summer? And summer is glorious. It is the best it could be. It is when the sun is shining and you are feeling full of hope and love and joy and bliss, and you really can't imagine it being better. That is summer. And then sometimes we get caught up in summer and we're so busy looking at all the flowers and the blossoms and all the beautiful things in our garden. We don't notice the little bugs that crawl in and the pests that come and nibble at the, at the root balls. And that's fall, right? So something is happening and we're going to go back to winter if we don't course correct. And then the fifth season obviously doesn't exist in nature, but it's called the crossroads. And that is the point to which every place of power, you get to decide, am I going back to winter in this interaction, in this thought, in this behavior, in this response, or am I going back to summer, mm. right? So if someone comes and barks at you, you can bark back, or you can give them space and grace and say, hey, is everything okay? Like, I'm not sure what's going on, but you're just, you sound really, you know, a bundle of energy. And I'd love to be able to walk you through that if you need right? One will take you into combat and, you know, conflict, and one will take you back to summer where you're connected. 
So all three books are about the five seasons of connection. I didn't write my legacy piece. And you just saying that about yours makes me really feel a little bit afraid, mm. right? Because I just think if I write that legacy piece, like that, that book that kind of encapsulates all my stuff, all of my hopes and my dreams and my struggles and my fears, what if that's what it, you know, what if that's what the world wanted from me before it took me away? Mm. You know, so I, I know it's this <laughs> that, really that ties weird... into, there's the weird thing about that. Yeah. For when yeah. I went out, like, cause I, I, again, I did approach it as obviously I, I want to write multiple books, but I kind yeah. of thought, right. Just like one at a time. Like it's good to think long-term goals and stuff, but sometimes, yes. you know, you do think too far off and you put right. too many things, like you've got all this time to do it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I really felt like if I wrote that, that legacy piece, yeah, you might've been like, almost like oh, release, but you know, and, just right. like, and I'm like, no, no, exactly. You planet need, you, long you enough, <laughs> you know, don't take me from my life yeah. until I do that legacy piece, but I don't want to do the legacy piece anytime yeah. soon. So it's this weird transaction with the universe. And I know it, you know, intellectually, it doesn't work that way, but some I get what you're saying. Inside, yeah. It's just like, oh, I'll do these other things. I'll be productive. I'll put amazing content in the world. I'll write these really powerful and helpful books and keep me in my life a little bit longer because you know I have this other project that I want to, you know, that I want to get to someday. And it's, it's a really crappy childish negotiating tactic with the universe. And I know it isn't going to really work that way, but um, it did give me the ability to get out my system and, to, you know, to create an environment where I could teach people and train people on their own seasons and how to navigate, you know, in life, love and business, all of the storms that they naturally face and then ways to get out of it. So to me, it has been a really freeing and powerful gift that I had received. And then I was able to turn around and turn it into something that other people could receive. But um, the legacy piece still lingers for sure. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, and we're going to move into the alpha round now. I'd like to start off with that off with, is there a particular quote that's either an all-time favorite quote or just something that really sums up your approach to life? Oh, man. I think it really has to be trusting yourself, right? And so the quote that jumps out at me is, I think it's from Albert Einstein, and it is, if, you know, if we judge the, a fish's ability to climb a tree, we, you know, we will never think that a fish would be successful or something like that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and another it, one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean, I really think it is just like, stay in, you know, in your zone. Don't get so busy and so cold and so comparison-itis out, you know, and looking at it, stay where you are and be your best self, because that's all we need from everyone right now. Can you show up in your best self right here, right now? Because we need that more than anything else. Outside of your own books, has yes. there particularly been an impactful book for you that is either all-time favorite or you just read it at the right time and it just is what you needed to hear? Any spring to mind? Yeah, I mean, I just finished The Power of Habit, which I had read many years ago. And I cannot believe I didn't love it more the first time <laughs> because when you really think about the life that you're creating and the decisions that you make and the behaviors that you have and the, you know, the friendships that you keep and the projects that you commit to, it's really defined by this, you know, this powerful and sometimes misleading collection of values and beliefs that don't always take you where you're destined to be. It isn't the best decision for you, but you're so stuck in your habits, you know, that it kind of takes you into these various places just because it's comfortable and it's safe. And I think, I mean, we all want to feel safe. 
I mean, so many people feel unsafe right now, but just between, you know, all the things that are going on in our world. And I just want to, you know, I, I just wanted to check on my decisions and my behaviors and, you know, my habits. Is it really taking me where I want to go? And some of them were actually taking me away from where I said I wanted to go. And I disconnect kind of blew my mind. So I was just so great. I mean, I have a bookshelf behind me and every once in a while I'll pull off a book that I've read before and I'll read it again because I'm not who I was when I first read it. And um, so to me, the power of habits was just mind blowing again. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. No, timing is definitely everything. Um, You mentioned obviously habits there. And so I wonder if it's either a resource or a habit. And I'm interested in your journey where you changed a lot of habits and Mm. in terms of self-care as well some things were very impactful to you and really got you, you know, into great health. I wondered if there's a, an essential kind of habit or routine that you do now for, for self-care. Yeah. I mean, they all sound so cliche, right? They all just sound so corny, yeah. but um, we are not getting enough sleep in this, you know, I in the life. Mention to... sleep and this is an area yeah. that this, this yeah, I definitely, mean, I, you know, totally. get a bit sloppy with, and I think this must yeah. be very common. <laughs> yeah. I think it is. And just looking at how much stress and mental load we're all carrying, we are not getting enough sleep to carry that mental load, you know, politically, economically, socially, you know, medically, all the things. So sleep has been the most important thing. And it's been the lesson that I teach my kids over and over. And I have three teenagers. So they don't want to go to sleep. No, that's three a prime the time where they just want to be like tired, staying up late, sleeping yeah. in as late as they can and just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So it is an ongoing conversation of, can you honor your body? And I think that's really the self-care piece that rises up above honor your, you know, your vessel, your body, your mind, your spirit. What do you need? And so in each of the books, I have a wellness wheel with 10 different categories and when someone calls me or I have a client and they're just all over the place, I'm like, we're going we're gonna to do a quick assessment. It takes three seconds. Mm-hmm. Look across all 10 categories. Tell me what's low, right? Tell me what, where is lacking for you. And immediately they're like, wow, I need, I wasn't doing this. I haven't been outside in seven days. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you have to be connected to your environment. You have to be within, you know, outside in the trees and in the fresh air and, you know, getting the wind on your face. And yes, yeah, so let's do self-care practices around that piece, right? It could be anything, but just looking at that assessment just makes it very clear. How do I honor my vessel? How do I honor the mind, body, and spirit that I work, you know, work with other people and work with myself to get through this life? Well, thank you so much for your time today, Leanne. It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, Adam, thank you for the time. Have a wonderful day. You too. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. Please do subscribe, reach out, connect, pick up a copy of Awaken Your Alpha, Thousand Tactics to Thrive, available on Amazon. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought or dreamed or wondered what it would be like to do a TEDx talk, you can do that. So head over to talkxcelerator.com. Jump across there and it'll have all the information, case studies, why you might want to do it, all the information around it. And also, if you jump on the green button on there, you can book in a complimentary idea clarity call to speak with me. What is your idea worth sharing? 
It's time to play a bigger game. It's time to amplify your message and make it happen. Do the little guy a favor. Subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.